Well, good morning. We are so glad that you are here with us this morning. If you're joining us online, welcome. If you're a guest here today, welcome. Uh, We are honored by your presence. We are continuing a series today that we have titled The Family of God, and we are in week five of that, and we're looking at how God continued to use election to pave the way. Okay, and so we're going to be looking at election again today, uh, kind of expounding and proving points from last week and building on what we said. And so we're glad that you're here this morning. Uh, I do want to just give two quick plugs before we get started. Two things I want to talk about. If you consider Crosspoint your home, please stay for the business meeting. I realize that it is uh, a meeting and who enjoys meetings. I'll tell you one person who doesn't enjoy meetings, me. Uh, They're literally my least favorite thing on the planet, but they are necessary. And I will tell you, it's not going to take us that long. Uh, Five, I would say 10 minutes at most. We've got nothing but good news to share. um, And I think that you need to hear that. And so uh, we want to share that with you. And so I'm going to get us through that as quickly as possible. But if you could stay for that, please do so, okay? The second thing I want to share is good news, but it's a different news. And so I just wanted to kind of let you guys know what the next couple weeks are going to look like. Today is going to be my last Sunday for three weeks. Okay. I am going to be taking a, what I'm going to call a mini sabbatical. Um, I've been doing ministry since I was 18 years old, uh, in a paid position since I was about 19 years old. And I have not taken off more than one Sunday since. Um, and most of the Sundays that I have off from the stage, I'm still here. And so I'm just going to be really honest with you because you are my family. Uh, I am weary. Um, there's no other way for me to put it. I am, I am worn out. Uh, and part of that is because, uh, as I like to tell people, I'm very bivocational. And I know summer has hit, and I, I, I'm off from one job as I am a teacher. But um, I just need, like a couple weeks to recharge my batteries. And so uh, I hope that you all can understand that. Uh, We are going to have some really powerful Sundays while I'm gone. I know that. David's going to finish off this series, and I'm not going to spoil what we talk about, but it's the culmination of everything we've talked about with the family of God and the culmination of God's use of election to bring about salvation to the world. And so you probably know where that's headed. After that, we're going to have uh, an all-music Sunday, and then we've got a full band that Sunday. Uh, And I actually think that's happening next week. So there's going to be a pause. Let me rephrase. There's going to be the all worship next Sunday. We've got the full band on stage. Uh, It's going to be super powerful and you won't want to miss that. And then the Sunday after that, we will finish this series, okay, with the last week of the Family of God series. And then the week after that, Rodney is going to preach the first Sunday of a series that's called Jesus is for Losers. And uh, I got to tell you, I think it's going to be really awesome and really powerful. And Rodney's kind of the author of that series, and I'm super excited about it. And so I just wanted to kind of give you that information so you heard it from me. Uh, Guys, this is literally nothing but me resting and trying to come back 100%, if that makes sense. Jericho will still be here. Um, I will still be at VBS. So like I said, it's modified. It's not like you won't see me completely. Uh, But I'm just going to kind of unplug a little bit for a couple weeks. David and Dave uh, will be points of contact. Rodney as well, our elders, if you need anything. Obviously, like I said, you are my family. So if there's an emergency, I want to know. Okay, if someone ends up in the hospital, if like that's important to me, don't not tell me those things. Um, this is also, just so we're clear, this is not a three-week pass not to come to church. Okay, I will hunt you down 
and gut you like a fish. Yeah, just for me, not for you. Yeah. Do what I say, not what I do, right? Um, but with that being said, let's continue, right? I am excited about today, guys. I'm excited about what God's doing in Scripture. I'm going to lead us off with a quick prayer, and then we're just going to dive in. God, I ask uh, today that you speak to us. Lord, I know that wherever someone meets in your name, you are there. I know you are there because, God, you are everywhere. God, you are all-powerful. You are all-knowing. And today, I pray that you bestow wisdom upon us that changes our lives. God, use me this morning as a mouthpiece. May your message and the words that you need everyone to hear be heard. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so we're going to continue throughout the story of Scripture. And uh, last week we talked about Abraham, right? And as we continue through that story of Scripture, God continues to use election. And we defined that last week as a choice made by God, right, to continue to author his story. So after Abraham, we have the choice of Isaac and Jacob and Judah and David. And it kind of follows along that line. And as the guys from the Bible Project uh, point out, and I told you that this series was kind of loosely based off of uh, a Family of God podcast thing that they had done, as they point out, none of them, none of these examples, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, David, none of these guys are great, upstanding, moral citizens who have it all together and always make perfect choices and always do the right thing, right? On the opposite side of the spectrum, they're actually kind of giant moral failures at certain parts in their life. And um, I can stand here today as your pastor and tell you that I have been a giant moral failure at times in my life as well. There have been times where I have just fallen short, right? So what does this teach us about election? Or what does it continue to submit to us about election? Election does not mean that you are righteous or good. God choosing you doesn't mean that you are righteous or good. Sometimes God choosing you is God choosing you. He's deciding that you are going to be his choice instrument. I think there's no better example in Scripture than Paul, right? Paul was Saul. He's walking around killing Christians and uh, doing some really bad things and, and really just a heavy persecutor. And what happens? He gets stopped on the road, right? He's blinded by the light, wrapped up. No, not going to do it. I'm going to stop there. Right? He's blinded by the light, and, and, and things are just completely changed for him. Was Paul a great upstanding moral citizen before he got into the service of the Lord? No. God called. God made the decision. And as we often see, and I know that this is true in my life as well, God equips the called. He doesn't always call the equipped, right? God equips the called. He doesn't always call the equipped. So this isn't a, a story of good versus evil. This doesn't mean that some are righteous and some are not. It's a story of the chosen versus the not chosen. And that's how we as all people need to look at this. Now, when these choices take place, they often take place inside of a family unit, creating throughout scripture what we see as some really serious, intense sibling rivalries. It makes for some fun stories, I can tell you that much. Let's look at Genesis chapter 25, verses 5 through 6, which say this. Abraham gave all he had to Isaac, but to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts. And while he was still living, he sent them away from his son Isaac eastward to the east country. Now, this is important because it shows Abraham's love for the not chosen. And it reflects God's love for the not chosen. He sent them away with gifts and blessing, but also he respected and desired to follow God's plan of election, which took place through Isaac, right? 
took place through Isaac. Now, later in chapter 25, specifically for, through verses 12 through 18, we're reminded of another brother, Ishmael, who was the son of Hagar, Sarah's maidservant, right? And that we had talked about earlier in the series was Abraham and Sarah uniting together outside of God's plan and how oftentimes that leads to destruction or bitterness or some sort of harsh feeling. And that's what took place in their story. Why is this mentioned again? Why is this mentioned again? It's mentioned to remind us that the family of God is often divided in those that were chosen and those that were not chosen. Those that were chosen and the, those that were not chosen. And as we continue to see this choice play out in Scripture, there are numerous sibling rivalries that form. And those rivalries, all of those rivalries, there is a sibling that is chosen and there is a sibling that wasn't chosen. And from those siblings comes a chosen line and a non-chosen line. This theme exists from really the very first family in Scripture. Abel and Seth, they were chosen by God, right? From Seth was Noah. From Noah came Shem. From Shem's family, ten generations later, we had Abraham. From Abraham, we had Isaac. From Isaac, we had Jacob. From Jacob, we had Judah. Many generations later, David was chosen from the Judah line of descendants. But all of these that were chosen had at least one brother who wasn't, who was not chosen. And out of those brothers, we have these names, the Kenites, the Canaanites, the Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Samaritans. Do you recognize those names? How are they often listed in Scripture? As enemies of the Israelites, as opposition to the Israelites. These sibling rivalries are all taking place. And we have the Israelites, the chosen of God, and we have all of these people groups, those that were not chosen by God. All at some point becoming enemies of Israel. But you know who also came from these groups? Let's take a look at these names. Just Jethro, Moses' father-in-law was a Canaanite. Kenite, sorry, not a Canaanite. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. And we've been talking about Jethro and Moses a little bit in salt groups the past couple weeks, right? Jethro was really a person who cemented Moses' ministry, who gave him foundational advice that led to the success of the Israelites escaping the Egyptians. But he was not a member of a chosen line. And then we have Jael, who crushed the head of Sisera. You don't know that story. I would encourage you to look it up. It's in Judges 4 and 5. It's a fun one. Uh, fun. But he's a Kenite. Kenite. Ruth. You all know the story of Ruth, I hope? Ruth, Naomi? Ruth is a Moabite from the line of Lot. Again, Abraham chosen. Lot, not so much. Caleb is a Kenzanite from Esau. Rahab, the prostitute, is a Canaanite from Ham. David is from the line of Judah and Caleb, and thus part, at least in part, a Kenizzite from Esau. These names that I just read off, are they any less important than those who were chosen by God? 
I don't think so. Do they have a smaller biblical impact? Do they have a smaller biblical impact than names like Moses and names like Abraham? Maybe to degree, but without these individuals, the story is not the same. Without these individuals, we do not get to the place in Scripture that we find ourselves in once we get to the New Testament. This is what we learn from all of this. God chooses the elect as a way through which he delivers salvation. We, are, we talked about that last week, if you'll remember. But the elect, before the perfection of Christ, which happens later for a lot of these, all experience failure. They all experience failure. And it's often the non-elect those who aren't in the chosen line who place their trust in Yahweh, who place their trust in God. We see it throughout Jesus' ministry as well, right? The woman at the well, various others, the centurion servant, as they come to Jesus and they are not in the line of the elect and they are not Jews and they, they are not Jesus' uh, typical uh, demographic, but they come expressing faith. And what do they experience? Salvation. Salvation. Just because you are non-elect does not mean you are outside of God's mercy. And that is something that I think as people will change our lives if we can understand that. I can tell you from personal experience, in all honesty, I've spent too much of my life looking at the us versus them demographic. Look at what's happening to us. And look at them. Why them? I know that guy. He's not a good guy. Why is he experiencing so much success? Now, people could turn around and look at me and say, man, his life has turned out well, and he was a jerk. So there's always that as well. But just because things haven't always been perfect for us just because things don't go the exact way that we want them to just because we don't feel as if we have been chosen by God doesn't mean that we are outside of God's mercy because God's plan is all-encompassing and we see throughout scripture those who express their faith in him are those that receive salvation and we also see in scripture that the chosen screw it up all the time which is why there's someone else that is chosen. And eventually, while we see the ultimate election take place through the Son of God, which David will talk to you about in our last week of this series, it's why we see walls torn down and barriers removed, and the only important thing being whether or not you place your faith in Christ. That was the culmination of God's plan. That's where it was always headed. In Isaiah chapter 2, 1 through 2, it says, It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. 
This is the antithesis, the very opposite of Babel. Right? When God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, what did the people do? They were like, be fruitful, multiply, and stay right here. <laughs> we're going to build our tower. We're going to have an awesome city. We're going to be in control. We're going to do everything together. And God was like, this is not going to go well. I can already see it. Like, they're going to just, I mean, I'm going to have to like, I said I wouldn't flood the earth. And I don't really want to set it on fire. So like, I've got to separate them. Right? But what we're told what we're told is that eventually the mountain, the house of the Lord will be established and it will be the greatest of all the mountains. It will be the main attraction. There will be no seven wonders of the world. It'll just be one thing that we marvel at. And to that house of the Lord, all the nations are welcome. Unity will be perfected. This is Yahweh's house. This is the house of God. And what we're told is that the person that will rule this will be a descendant of Abraham from the line of David. This isn't Isaiah. This is prophecy because this person does not exist yet. But this person is coming. This person is coming to change lives. This person is coming to wipe every tear and to take every sin, and to conquer death. And you know what's special about the house of Yahweh? The mountain above all mountains? Everyone is welcome there. I'm going to say it again. And all nations shall flow to it. Here's what you need to understand about your life, and I think this is great life advice doesn't matter who you're a descendant of. doesn't matter where you're from. doesn't matter what educational background you have. All these different demographics, all these different categories that we place ourselves into when we're filling out the various applications and they want to know if we're white, Asian, Pacific Islander, and are we male, female, other, are we this, that, and this, are we... None of that stuff matters. None of that stuff matters. And it doesn't matter if the sun's been shining on you. It doesn't matter if the lightning's been striking at your feet. There is room for you in the house of God. You are desired in the house of God. And God always has been, but still is, calling out to you, and calling out to those that love you and those that you love, regardless of whether they have been in the line chosen by him or they live outside of that line. This isn't about God being a puppeteer. This isn't about God pulling all the strings. I promise you that if that was the case, our world would be much better, much better. This is about God saying, you are chosen, now choose me. You are chosen, now choose me. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now today and I thank you for this day and I thank you for what we see in scripture, God. The fact that you make choices, you make choices and you make choices because you are God and you make choices that you need to make in order to 
further author your story in this world. But God, the choices that you made were all leading towards one direction. And that was that all nations would gather in the house of God. That all people would see themselves as the family of God. And that they would desire relationship with you and that they would place their faith and trust in you. God, I know there have been so many times in my life where I felt like the odd man out. Where it felt like you were taking care of everyone else but me. Where maybe I wasn't elect, I wasn't chosen. God, what I needed was a change of perspective. And you gave that to me as well. I choose faith. I stand here today a believer. Time and time again, my faith has been proven by your providence in my life. God, I pray that you make us a congregation of glass half full believers. Help us to be appreciative of all that we have and to focus on the ways that you have provided for us. Lord, help us to see that you are for all and that means that as people we should be for all as well. As we leave this place, may we share our faith, may we share the home that we have found in the house of God. God, we ask these things in all, all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Stand with us now. Let's worship. If you need to pray, come pray. You can pray with me. You can pray at our altar. You can pray while we're standing. But let me pray for you. I would love to pray for you today. If there's something that you need to discuss, if there's a, a matter of salvation uh, that hasn't been settled in your life, then we need to talk about that today. Jesus is for you. He is calling you. Come home. Come home. Will you make that choice to come home today? Otherwise, let's stand and let's worship and let's reflect right now in this moment.